Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so excited for today's episode because we have our first interview. And I'm especially looking forward to this interview because it is with my friend, Shannon Salentine. Shannon has been one of my friends for nearly 30 years, so back in the high school days. And aside from being my friend, she is amazing. Just Google her name, Shannon Salentine, and you will know Shannon is a world traveler. She went to the Peace Corps. She lived in Prague, in Dominica, in Kenya. Heck, Shannon even brought a newborn baby back to Kenya and lived there for several years. She has done amazing work for global health, literally across the globe. She's brilliant, and yet she would never say so herself. Shannon is completely badass in the most humble of ways. In the midst of midlife, Shannon decided to leave her lucrative and grandly successful career in international public health to become a life coach. And I cannot wait for you today to hear her story. So Shannon, welcome to Seize Your Midlife. Thanks, Bree. I wish you could see me right now. My eyes are even a little misty. That's such a generous introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, I was even choking up a little <laughs> bit over here. <laughs> you don't usually get an opportunity to talk about your friends in that way, right? Right. Well, there's something so powerful about it. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yay. Okay. Well, this is the only podcast I think it's appropriate to say, how old are you? Yes. So I just turned 46. Yes, that's right. I have you by a few months. <laughs> okay. And why don't you tell everybody where are you right now? So I am currently in Durham, North Carolina. Yes. You were the pioneer of leaving Wisconsin and <laughs> moving to the Carolinas and you never once gloated about it. And now that I live here, I'm I'm not really sure how you did that because I love to gloat about the weather down here. <laughs> It's amazing. It is amazing. It is. Okay. So obviously, from the outside looking in, you were in the middle of the height of your career in international public health. You were making a huge impact. And so how did you decide to walk away from that? And basically, what's your leap story in a nutshell? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to keep it in a nutshell. (laughs) It's also, you know, my leap story is more of whenever I think about this leap, the picture that comes to mind for me is 
you know, some kind of superhero action movie where the superhero jumps from one really tall building to another and you can see them in slow motion kind of moving through the air, except, and then in the slow motion, you can see all of their feelings on their face, like all the feelings of terror and all the feelings of elation and everything in between. That's what my leap felt like. But that slow motion moment was three years. <laughs> well, first of all, that was a great visual because I can literally see you with the cape like over, you know, Manhattan. <laughs> yes, definitely Manhattan. So I would say just in a nutshell, until about three years ago, like you said, Brie, I was working on various international health projects all over the world. And by the end of this 20-year arc in my life, I was leading a multi-million dollar contract to strengthen health systems in the global South in low and middle income countries. And what I, I think is important for people to know is that I loved this job. I loved the type of work I was doing. I loved the team I was working with, I, the client I was working for, the people, everything. I was all in and I had great internal support and was really recognized and appreciated as an impact player in the space. So a lot of my identity was really wrapped into this job. And this is the role that I had set out to take in my early 20s when I left graduate school. So I was really at that kind of the height of everything. And at the same time, my husband and I were adjusting to being back in the US after living in Kenya for three years. I had two kids under the age of two. And my mind was constantly on my work. I was overworking and at the same time feeling guilty and that I wasn't able to do more for my family and spend more time with my kids. So as much as I loved my job, I was at the same time experiencing chronic burnout, not just burnout, but chronic burnout. I was waking up at 4 a.m. to check emails before going to the gym, coming home to help two little kids get to daycare, you know, flying through town to get to the office usually already on a conference call, and then arriving back home at five for evening family life, which was a total craze until 9 p.m. And then I would crash, usually like falling asleep with one of my kids in their beds, and then start the whole thing over the next day. So this was all kind of happening in the background. And then when my youngest turned one, my husband, and Brie, you know the story, was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor and underwent brain surgery. And this was the first time since being on maternity leave that I really had to force myself to stop what I was doing. So as traumatic as it was, what came out of this for me was this requirement to stop working. And it forced me to relinquish my work responsibilities so that I could really focus on our family and Brandon's healing from surgery. And, and it was during this time that two things came to me. First, I finally understood that the pace I was working at was completely unsustainable. and. I became uncomfortably aware that my inability to be present for myself and others was in conflict with what I really wanted. I couldn't put my finger on what that want was exactly, but I could feel it. And so I started to get really curious about what it would be like if I could continue some kind of career working less while only doing the things that I loved. I worked with coaches. I dove into defining my life purpose and my core values. And I set out on a journey to discover what it would look like for me to have a career that was led by my life instead of a life that was like a bag of leftovers being dragged behind my career. 
And so all of this led to me becoming a certified as a professional coach, starting an internal leadership coaching program inside the company I was working for, and then eventually stepping away from my full-time position to start my own business, my own leadership and life coaching practice. And that was three years ago this past November. Yeah. And I love about your story that it wasn't – like even there, there's this visual of the leap, right? That it really wasn't a leap, mm-hmm. that it really was this kind of slow motion of things kind of building up, right? Like there was, you know, this constant going, going, going where you're going so fast that it sounds like you probably didn't even have a chance to feel anything really beyond like your responsibilities. And then, you know, this crisis with Brandon and the slowing down and kind of being present with your family coming as this awakening. But even then, it wasn't like you walked in on Monday morning and said, I'm done. Right. You just let it open a door for you. And like you said, I love that you said get curious because I think that kind of like – okay, what is the thing I'm going to learn next? You know, what's the question I'm going to ask? I think that's such an important part in people's journeys that it's not a lot of times like leaping. It's the tiny steps. Yeah. So, you know, why don't you tell me a little bit, because obviously it sounds like you loved your job. I knew you loved your job. And I know from the outside what a huge responsibility it was. But tell me a little bit about how being, you know, your own owner right now and the owner of your time as well has shifted the way that your life looks and your lifestyle and how you're showing up for your family since that time? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So I have to say, and first of all, Bree, you are right on about the questions. And you mentioned this in your Purpose podcast episode too about getting curious and really listening right? Taking time to really listen to ourselves and then asking the questions about what's next. And that is the perfect place to start. I just want to say that because as simple as it seems, those three things are incredibly powerful and were incredibly powerful for me. So, okay. So what do things look like now? Well, I have to say in full transparency that when I said goodbye (laughs) to my full-time job, which was a process and a whole nother story, I really didn't fully appreciate the fact that I was starting my own business. I knew that I wanted to coach and that I wanted to coach more and that I needed to make a certain amount of money. That was my big plan. (laughs) That was really all that I had. (laughs) And it took me a long time to unwind all of these, I would say, habits, practices, routines that I had established to help me just deal with what my work life had been like. So it took me a really long time to stop doing things like (laughs) check my email at four in the morning and sit at my desk for 10 hours a day, even though I only had 30 minutes of work. And right, because as you're building a business, or especially a coaching practice, it's not like I opened my doors and, you know, I had 40 hours of work a week in front of me. And so I really had to unwind that. And then I would say that with the onset of COVID and my kids being home for school around two years ago, that really forced me to get clear on how I was going to use my time and helped me, forced me to unravel a lot of these habits that come with like emailing, scrolling, um, like going down really crazy rabbit holes about business and coaching that were not really in service of my business. And so it was also during that time that I was able to say, okay, well, what are my business goals? How many hours a week do I want to work? What is my actual 
like revenue target? What does that mean in terms of how I create clients and how I engage with organizations and companies and individuals so that I can work with them in a really meaningful way and have the life that I want to have? And so I spent a lot of time working with coaches on this and then it's continued to be a practice for me. But my day is I don't wake up at four o'clock in the morning anymore. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Although I know you are an early bird still. I'm still an early bird, yes. But I do like to have time, and I'm sure many of your listeners are like this too. I do like to have time in the morning before the rest of my family gets up. It just helps me. I love just kind of being in the house and pretending that I'm by myself for a little while, even as everyone's sleeping. Yes, that's the tone. (laughs) Yeah, I get up, I exercise, and then like the family wakes up and... You know, this morning is a great example. Brandon it also works for himself, as you know, Brian. So we're both home in the morning. He's making lunches. I'm making breakfast. And then I take the kids to school. This morning, we listen to a lot of Eminem for some reason. And then, and then I drop them off. And then I drive home and I listen to your podcast, actually. <laughs> and I get home and I do some things that I need to do for myself. Because what's interesting about coaching and what I've learned is that in order for me to be a really good coach for others, I have to really take good care of myself. And so whatever else I need to do in the morning, meditate, random things around the house, you know, call in a prescription, run to Target, I kind of start doing those things. And then I start my work day. And then my work day ends around between four and five, where I'm able to, but then I usually have to go and pick a kid up from some kind of activity. And then my evenings are open. So I've been really spending this last year really focusing on making this approach my new routine. But what's been fascinating is just noticing how much reprogramming and rewiring I've been having to do along the way. Yeah. And I love like that you said right from the beginning of your story that you didn't set out to build a business. I mean, your background was never in business. You just knew this is what you wanted to do. And I think that's a really important thing for people to pick up on what you said, because a lot of times you're moving in a direction kind of leads you to the answer. And that's exactly kind of what happened to you, it sounds like. You know, you're like, okay, I want to coach people more. I want to coach groups. And you start moving in that direction and you're like, okay, I've got like a full-fledged business here. And now I'm going to break down all the pieces of the business and trying to figure out, you know, profit modules and all of that. Because I think for somebody who's never come from running a business, that's so daunting that it can be a little paralyzing. And so I like your idea of just saying like, move in the direction of the thing you want to do. And then the steps kind of come next. The other thing that I love that you said that I really picked up on was kind of, first of all, setting your tone for the day. I think that's so important. And I think you hear every like great thought leader say morning routine, morning routine. It's so important, so hard also as moms to get up earlier before our kids, but so great. And also that kind of like organizing your life before you can do your work. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of being, you know, self-made is that you can. Your day is yours. And so knowing how you want it to look, you want to exercise, you want to meditate, you want to go to Target, whatever it is, that's such a gift. So a couple things that I want to ask you about. One is how do you think being the age that you were, being in midlife, either gave you the courage or made you more scared to take this leap? I think it did both things. I think it felt like I had a lot more to risk mm. because 
the investment both by me and by others in my career and in my life up until that point was so much, right? If you make some kind of change in your mid-20s, you know, you don't have that much to lose, like a few years of whatever it was that you were doing before then, right? But there's something about being midlife where you look back at it and you're like, oh, well, am I going to lose all of this? This is a lot. This has been a lot. This is all I've been working for. And so what I was very aware of is that every year that I waited, that story was just getting bigger and bigger for me every year that I waited. So that was one thing that made it, I think, I don't know if it, it didn't hold me back, but it definitely, I was very aware of it. Mm. And then I think being middle-aged, being that age, I think I was 38 when I started thinking about it. And then I was, you know, 43 when I left my full-time job. There was a knowing I had that no matter what happened, I would be okay. No matter what happened, if I failed, but like, like maybe I wasn't going, I didn't know if I was going to be a successful coach or build a successful business, but I knew that, that if it wasn't working, I would find another way. Because at the end of the day, what was important to me was to work less, doing the things I wanted and to also be able to support and sustain my family's lifestyle that we had created. And so I think at one point my coach asked me, well, what would be the worst thing that would happen if you failed? And I just thought, oh, I just go find a job or create something else. I think that being that age helped me really. I was really very accepting of, I have all of this experience. I have all of this knowledge. I know how to get a job. I have a great network. So I really don't have anything to lose. What this is costing me right now is what I'm losing. This is costing me time with my family. This is costing me the energy that I want to have day after day. This is costing me, you know, real presence and connection and joyful living. I love that. And I think it goes back to something that I always say is an exercise to do exactly when you're going to take a leap, which is saying like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And then what? And it sounds like that's exactly what your coach was saying to you because the truth is, especially in midlife, my God, you have so much experience. So you're not starting from ground zero. You're starting from all those years. And yeah, if you had to go back and get another job, would that have been ideal? No. But I think knowing the worst case isn't that bad allows you to to leap to be afraid and still move forward, which is so important because like you said, those years, they're ticking by. And in midlife, I think we all become a little bit more aware of, okay, if I don't do it now, then when am I going to do it? Yes. And and it, it also helped me to really appreciate and acknowledge my own resourcefulness and then also, you know, my privilege. And when I could see those two things together, my own resourcefulness and my privilege, because I have been really, and I am very grateful for all the things that I've been blessed with. It's made it even more important that I leverage both those things, that I live the best life that I can live for myself in service of my family and my community and our world. I love that. I love that you said like you're, you had the privilege to take the leap. Mm -hmm. And so it would have been a shame to not, which is outstanding. Okay. So thinking about the women out there, and I think most women sit there and they have dreams and then they go, but this, but that. What would you say to the woman who's wanting to make a bold career change in midlife? What would be the piece of advice that you would give to her? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I want to go back to your advice from your purpose episode and just say, find a way to get quiet so that you can listen to yourself and, and get curious. I just, I really want to echo that because I think that that was the, the beginning for me was even just as simple as getting out of the house for a walk, finding a way to get some time on my own to just kind of dream and think and wonder and not think, what can I do next? What am I good at? But what can I do next? What do I really want to do? And strike all of the, well, I could do that because I'm good at it. I wanted to do things that I really loved doing. I wanted to create something that I could be in love with as much as I loved my family. So that's one thing. And then a big part of what I did was define my core values and to really get down on paper what is important to me and to have that as a tool that I could constantly access, that I still access whenever I'm making decisions, whenever I feel ungrounded, whenever I want to create something new, and then to set your own pace. So to, you know, like I said, my leap was a journey. And because I took my time, I was able to create the structure that I needed in order to support the freedom that I was craving. So set your own pace. I think we often get stuck in comparison or this person, you know, what other people are doing and how that looks. And for me, it was really important for me to stay in my own lane and just set my own pace. Yeah. And I think you touched on something there that I think is really important is that in this era of social media, when people start something, it kind of looks publicly like it's seamless and like it happens overnight. But like you said, it's a journey. And so go at your own pace. I think that's fantastic. And of course, I mean, you already said get quiet is I think probably the most important so you can hear your own voice. But the third thing that you touched on, which was your values. And that was something that I wanted to ask you about today, and I'm hoping you can kind of expand on because I've heard you talk loosely about it, but I don't fully understand the core values. How do you find your core values? How do you go back to them? So why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and how people can find and determine their own core values? Yeah, sure. Well, so first, I think I want to demystify core values a little bit because and you do this a little bit in your purpose. I love that purpose podcast break. Oh, thanks, girl. <laughs> you do this a little bit in your purpose podcast too, right? Which is like you put this big word like purpose, or in this case, we're talking about core values. You put that in the center and everyone's like, oh my God, I don't know. How could I possibly define my core values? Everything that's important to me, everything that's inherent to me, like who I am, what all of that, it just seems really overwhelming. And so what I like to do is demystify it by really breaking down what I mean by core values. So here's the thing, Brie, you and your listeners care about many, many things and are here, right? Like your true self is a reflection of many, many wonderful things of which the English language does not have enough words. No language has enough words to really capture or characterize what all of that is. So I think sometimes we're hesitant to name our core values or even purpose because it cannot be articulated in any human language. It's kind of a sense of being. Core values come from a sense of being and our true selves but when you make it into a tool, especially in the context of coaching, this is what they end up being. They end up being four to six keywords that you identify 
and define on your own terms. And these are words that reflect what you care about and can, and the things that you consider to be most important. And some would say that these words are really innate to you, that you're kind of, that you're actually born with these core values. And for the core values that are most present, you know, you're really wanting to articulate them and make sure that they're defined so that you can access them. So they're not going to encapsulate all that you are because there are not enough words in any language to truly capture your essence or your being, but they're important tools we navigate through life, relationships, and our own personal growth because they serve as anchors, as guideposts, and also in informing us about our boundaries and what our boundaries are. So as anchors, they're used to ground us and remind us of our beliefs. As guideposts, they're these green flags along our journeys, letting us know that we're on the right track. And then they can also serve as boundaries or those red flags when something in our lives is is off track. Okay. So hearing that, I think it's I like that you said demystify it because it does feel like big decision then to choose your core values for words to define everything. But would you just tell people if you don't mind sharing a couple or a few of your core values so people kind of get an idea of what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. So my four core values are, I have four, are trust, freedom, transformation, and ease, Mm. E-A-S-E. And I have defined those values in terms of what they mean to me, for me, right? So our core values are not just about what we want for our world and for others, but also about what we want for ourselves. So for me, I want and value trust in myself. And then I also want to trust in our world. (laughs) Really, I want more trust in our world. Freedom, I want freedom for myself in the way that I work and walk through life. And I want freedom in our world for others, right? And then transformation and ease. Similarly, like I have a framework where I define what those words look like for me, what they look like for my clients, even what they look like for my family, and then what they look like in our world. Okay. So if people are trying to think like, okay, I mean, I know, for example, you said freedom and I'm like, that's my number one. (laughs) That's my number one. But if people are listening and they're like, yeah, I don't think those are my words. Is there somewhere that there is a list that would maybe jog people's mind to help them find what their core values might be? Yes. So there are so many ways to go about doing this work and defining your core values. So if you're on your own, just like you said, one thing you can do is you can find a list online. I actually have a list on my website. And so I'll leave the information so that people can find that list and access that along with a blog post on the steps to take to do this if you're on your own. So the first thing is to just, you know, sit down, set a timer for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and write down all the words that come to you. And if you want a word bank, that's what I have is a word bank. And you can find word banks in other places too. And you can circle the words on the word bank that resonate with you that stand out for you. So that's one way to kind of get. And then once you get sort of like this big list of words, the idea is that you narrow it down and narrow it down, narrow it down until you're sitting with four to six words that you really resonate with. And some people would say, you know, really you only need one or two. So I kind of leave it up to my clients to decide how many they want, but no more than six, because at the end of the day, you want to be able to remember them and access them. And I have mine written up and they're posted on my desk and they're in my journal so that I'm really connected with them on a regular basis with those words. So that's that's one way you can do it starting from a word bank. Another way is to sit with a friend. So some of the things that you mentioned, even when you introduced me, Brie, I'm like, oh yeah, those are things I care about. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> and to interview a friend and have a friend kind of reflect back to you what they see and use some of that as information. And then ask the friend to interview you about a moment that was fulfilling and joyful where you really felt peace and really felt connected to your true self. And then and then use some of those words that come up in that story or in that example that you share. So that's another way. And then kind of hone in on those words. And then the most important piece is no matter how you get to your four to six to one to two words, however many words you want, you define them for yourself. So you don't go into the Webster's dictionary to like look up the word for freedom. It really is you defining it for yourself and what freedom means. Got it. I love that. And and I was going to ask you at the end, but you might as well share it now. What is your website so that people can can go and find this blog post and find the word bank and find you? Yeah. So my website is leadforgood.co. And I can also be reached over email at shannon at leadforgood.co. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I think the last question I want to ask you is about your purpose and how it relates to core values. Because I think, like I said before, I think that purpose and what's my midlife purpose and what am I going to do next is one of the biggest pressing things for women our age. So how do you think using your core values is the tool to find your purpose or one of the tools to find your purpose? Yeah. Well, I have this belief that our big, 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 big purpose for all of us, like our life purpose, our purpose in life is for each of us to be our true selves. I think that there's a lot of power in just us being our true selves and that when we are our true selves, we bring creativity and innovation and solutions and well-being into our world. So the practice of this like big, big, big purpose is to, in the work, is becoming aware of who this is, right? The idea is simple, but the practice is harder because as we move through life, we're really challenged to stay steady in our unique identities and to remember who we are. And it's so easy to lose sight of that. So I think I want to frame this answer a little bit in that perspective, like big abstract life purposes to constantly be remembering who we are and showing up as our true selves. And so there's that big, big purpose. And then there's the purpose of like, okay, well, in this moment, what does that mean? Or in this, you know, next 10 years of my life or in this, or what I like to call an arc in this next arc of my life, what is my purpose? And I think the way that core values help in that is by anchoring us in, helping us to remember what we care about. So the next 10 years of my life are going to look really different than the last 10 years. My kids are different ages. I'm a different age. Our world is completely different. However, I can go back to my values of trust, freedom, transformation, and ease to help me think about what that means for these next 10 years and to have sort of a constant reminder of these things that are important to me so that I'm making decisions from my own self and from my own inner compass as opposed to just reacting to the world around me. Because we can walk through the world just reacting to what's going on around us and we can create a life that way through reaction. What I want and what I want for my clients and what I want midlife women to know is, and I think this is what midlife women are coming to terms with too, is that's exhausting and not always very fulfilling. And so what it looks like to really ground in core values and then think about, okay, what is the next step? What is the next thing? for me to do from here 
with trust, freedom, transformation, and ease, like in my back pocket. Um, well, I when you were talking, I was thinking kind of about you saying your big like life's purpose is about being your true self. And I think that is such a huge light bulb because one of the things I think that happens in life as time goes on is that we kind of forget who we really are because we're so just beat down by all of our responsibilities, our jobs, our kids, whatever they are. Um, we forget those things. And so I love that you say, you know, that core self and that that can take on lots of different paths because your, you know, your purpose is always changing. Like you said, it's the arc. So you might be doing one thing over here and then you're doing something else. But if you kind of always go back to that true self, you're making sure that those things are first and like forefront. So I think that was good advice. Yes, it really, I mean, it really is. And it's something that I want for everyone. So everyone deserves that. Well, thank you, Shannon, for being here. And it was so good to talk to you in this way that we never have a conversation. So I appreciate your story and you sharing it with everyone today. And are you still accepting one-on-one clients? Yes, I am currently accepting one-on-one clients. Okay. So friends, if you are looking to transform your lives reach out to Shannon Salentine. She has obviously done it and she's helping others do the same. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate this conversation. Yes, I appreciate you so much and what you're doing here. It's wonderful. Thank you. Yay. Have a great day. (laughs) You too. And have a great day, friends. If you can kindly share the podcast with your friends, leave a review, or simply give it five stars. It will lead more women to this conversation. And the more women that join us here, the fuller the conversation will be. Thank you so much. 